This is Journey Elgin Podcast, our Simple Life with Jesus series. This series has a new episode that's uploaded each Wednesday. We thank you so much for joining us. Last week, we talked about the question, do you have a tangible faith? Meaning, does your faith move beyond just a simple belief in God into a faith that actually impacts you in your daily life? It impacts the way that you see the world, the way that you react to the world. It's a faith that changes not only your life, but changes the lives of people around you. The answer to that question, for some of us, may be no. You know, if we're honest with ourselves, our faith in God is really kind of relegated to just a simple belief that He exists. Okay, that's that's okay. That's a good starting point. Some of us may be able to recite, you know, the basic Christian creed that God created the world. Uh, the world rebelled against God. God sent His Son Jesus. Jesus lived and He died on the cross. Then he rose again so that our sins could be forgiven and that we could live with him forever. You may believe all of that, and that's wonderful. That's a obviously that's a very important thing to believe. But you know, you can believe all of that and still not have a tangible faith. A faith that really makes a difference in your daily life. So it's not a black and white question. It's it moves the, that question is going to change depending on whether things are going well or whether things are going bad in our life. It's a tough question to answer. But I think and I hope that most of us would desire to have a more tangible faith. So the question becomes, how do we do that? Well, the answer to that is simple, yet very complicated. In order to move more towards a tangible faith, we need to develop a personal and meaningful relationship with God. And you may say, oh, well, that's, that sounds great. How do we do that? Well, that's where it gets complicated. Because let's be honest. In order for us to have a personal and meaningful relationship with someone, we always have physical contact with that person. We can talk to them. They can audibly talk to us. You know, that's, that's what we know about a deep, meaningful relationship. And so whenever we apply that to God, there's obviously some challenges there. But that doesn't mean that it can't happen. So we're going to be spending a lot of time about how we can move towards a more personal and meaningful relationship with God. There's a book series uh, called The Good and Beautiful Series. It's written by James Bryan Smith has a lot of good ideas. It's going to kind of be a guide that we're going to use. And so if you want to check that book out, I encourage you to do so. Uh, It's The Good and Beautiful God uh, by James Bryan Smith. But in order for us to start developing a tangible faith, we have to have a starting point. And so that starting point for us is we need to go all the way back to the question, what do we think about God? Right? When you think of God, what is the first characteristic of him that comes to mind? You know, that kind of forms our basic understanding of who God is. And and the thing is, is if, if we don't have a good foundation of how we are starting out relating to God, well, then we're going to have an unhealthy relationship with God 
uh, as we move forward. That foundational thought process that we have of who God is, is vital. And so when I ask that question, when you think of God, what characteristic of his first comes to mind? Well, you may come up with a good Sunday school answer. You say, oh, well, God is love. And that's true. You may say God is kind. There's all kinds of different answers. But if we really dig down, some of us may realize that one of the things that we think of first, because this has been proved out in lots of statistics and questions of asking people what they think of God, is many of us may actually see God as kind of an angry judge. That if we do things well, we'll be blessed. But if we sin, we'll be punished. So sometimes our first thought about God is that that he's a God who's going to treat us well if we do well, but he's going to punish us if we sin. And so he becomes this kind of judgmental God. And then if we follow that out, that means that, well, there's a lot of sin out in the world. There's a lot of sin in my life. So if God is constantly up there punishing sin, then he's got to be a pretty angry God, right? So we put a lot of human characteristics on God. Now, what many of us have done as Christians is we've we've been able to to kind of deal with this by saying, okay, yeah, God, uh, the God of the Old Testament is this angry God who, who punishes and everything like that. But he, he does love us, and so he decided to send Jesus, you know, the, the lovable one, the one who is the buffer between us and God. And, and so Jesus goes to the cross. He shows us how much he loves us, and, and so that's, that's the way that we can relate to God. The, the problem with that is, I, I mean, one, it, I mean, there's some basic truth there. I mean, Jesus did come in order to pave a way for us to have a right relationship with God that because sin messes all that up. And so Jesus came uh, to, to overcome that. Yes. But the problem is, is if we believe that, but we still have this core belief about God, that he is kind of an angry judge who's always upset about sin, man, why are, why would we want to develop that personal and meaningful relationship with him? And now you may say, Oh no, I would never think that. Well, I think it's more prevalent than you may think. My wife, her mom, Brenda, passed away from a brain tumor about 15 years ago. She was 48 years old whenever she passed away. She was just a sweet lady. Just lady, I don't know if she ever had a sip of alcohol. If you have all the stereotypical list of what it means to live a good Christian life, uh, she checked off all of those boxes. Um, she was a, just a, such a sweet lady. And during her time after she was diagnosed and, you know, of course, was very involved in a church there in Abilene, um, you know, had people praying for her, everything. Well, she actually had a, <laughs> a well-meaning lady come up to her and was uh, talking to her and asking her and asked Brenda, well, what do you think that you've done in order for you to be going through this. And what she was asking is, basically, what have you done that God is punishing you by giving you a brain tumor? Man, I, I kind of I cringe at that. 
Now, most of us may not go that far, but man, that's an evidence of this kind of foundational understanding of God that many times with it we can have is that God is this judge that if we do well, we're going to be blessed. And if we sin, we're going to be punished. Well, is that really who God is? And I would say the answer is no. You know, I think we need to look at Jesus. How did he view God? And that's the, one of the great things about what God has done is by entering into this world as Jesus, he's shown us how to develop a relationship with him. Right? And so Jesus, what is Jesus's perspective of God? In Matthew chapter 19, verse 17, Jesus says this about God. It says, there is only one who is good. You know, I think a good foundational characteristic to think about God is the fact that God is good. Do you believe that? Do you believe that God is good? It's easy to say yes. But if we look around at the world, we don't always see a lot of goodness. We see a lot of frustration. We see a lot of hurt. We see a lot of injustice. This is one of the biggest things that critics of Christianity and critics of religion in general will say is, well, how can you believe in a good God when there's so much evil and suffering in the world? Well, that's a valid question and one that we probably need to wrestle with a little bit. And I think sometimes one of the reasons that it's so difficult for us is because if, if our foundational view of God is that, okay, God is this God up here who's judging and he is, you know, blessing those who do well and he's supposed to punish those who do bad. Well, then we look and we see situations like Brenda and we're like, wait, that doesn't seem to be right. So we need to look at that foundational premise. Is that who God is? Is God a judge who pours out blessings on those who do good and who punishes those who do bad. Well, I think we can look at Jesus again and see, is that really who God is? This is in Luke chapter 13, verses 1 through 5. It says, at that very time, there were some, some present who told him about the Galileans whose blood Pilate had mingled with their sacrifice. He asked them, Do you think that because these Galileans suffered in this way, they were worse sinners than all other Galileans? No, I tell you, but unless you repent, you will all perish as they did. Or those 18 who were killed when the Tower of Siloam fell on them, do you think that they were worse offenders than all the others living in Jerusalem? No, I tell you, but unless you repent, you will all perish just as they did. So here's Jesus responding to questions. Basically, he's being asked, um, you know, why did these people die and these others not? Because the people who are asking Jesus this question, they're coming at it from this perspective that God punishes the guilty and he blesses the innocent. Well, whenever you have a tower 
that falls down and randomly kills 18 people and that's your worldview and that's your view of God, you have to determine some reason that it was those 18 who died. Man, that puts you in a really bad spot. And so that's what Jesus addresses. He says, do you think that those 18 were worse offenders than all others living in Jerusalem? Well, the answer to that question is obviously no. I mean, what would the chances be that the worst 18 people in Jerusalem happened to be standing under the tow- that tower at the same time, and so God could use that as a punishment to take all of them out, right? So Jesus is dismissing that basic premise that God just punishes those who do bad and rewards those who do good, right? There's another uh, situation where Jesus is asked a question. This is uh, in John chapter 9, verses 2 through 3. It says, Rabbi, who sinned, this man or his parents, that he was born blind? So what you have is you have Jesus, the situation. Uh, Jesus is standing there teaching. Uh, there's a blind man uh, sitting probably outside the city gates or as you, they went into the gates. And this rabbi, or, or the one of the... Uh, teachers of the law, one of the religious leaders, asked Jesus, says, okay, who sinned, this man or his parents, that he was born blind? Isn't that an interesting question? It was an either-or question in this man's mind. And this was representative of the way people thought about God in that day. So it wasn't a question of whether this man's blindness was a result of sin. The question was, well, who was it? Was it the parents or was it this guy? And again, that fits perfectly that principle. If you come at, come at this thinking that God blesses those who do good and punishes those who do bad, you have to figure out, well, why is that guy blind? And so we, we're going to have to blame somebody. So we're either going to blame him or we're going to blame his parents. So Jesus had the perfect opportunity to affirm if that was a correct view of God. But Jesus, of course, didn't. He said, neither this man nor his parents sinned. He was born blind so that God's works might be revealed in him. And so Jesus is blowing up that idea that God is this God who is just up there kind of reacting to every single decision that we make and he's treating us either justly or or and he's either punishing us or he's rewarding us based on all our different actions. That's not at the essence who God is. And it can be really dangerous if that's the starting point of our relationship with God. And let's be honest, there's probably many of you who came to the faith in God because you were scared to death of hell. You were scared to death that if you didn't do something about the sin in your life, because we all know that we've sinned, we all know that we are not perfect. And maybe you had a really good evangelist or maybe you had a good Sunday school teacher who said, hey, there is an answer for all of the sin that you have committed. And that answer is Jesus. And he will make you available to God and allow you to enter into a relationship with God. That's wonderful. That is at the heart of the gospel message. 
But the danger with that is, is that we kind of stop there. And so we really never develop a relationship with God because we entered into that relationship terrified of what he's going to do for us, for do to us because of all the bad things we've done. And so now we just kind of stay back because we don't want his wrath to rain down on us. Because we also recognize that even after we've given our life to him, man, we still live our life in ways that we're not proud of. And so again, if we've still maintained this idea that God rewards those who do good and punishes those who do bad, we're just constantly trying to balance the scales. And that is no way to enter into a personal relationship with God. Jesus continues to go on and he he talks about all kinds of different things about how we can grow closer to God and we're going to get into those we're going to move forward but we re- I really want you to think about your basic understanding of who God is Jesus said God is good do you believe that do you believe that God is good This week, I want you to take some time. Take some time to think about what you believe about God. Are you living your life constantly trying to balance the scales because you're terrified that God is going to punish you for your sin? So you have to balance that out with doing good so you'll be blessed? That is not the basis for a healthy relationship with God. I would say we need to start out by recognizing that God is good. God loves us. Does God deal with sin? Yes, and we'll we'll talk about that. But man, at the core of who God is, is he is a good and a beautiful God. I mean... You look at what God did when he created, and if you just close your eyes and try to picture what the garden would have been like, it would have been this beautiful setting where everything that we needed was provided. Everywhere you looked, you would see God's goodness. Now we live in a world where sin has marred that Reflection, And we look out and we see a whole lot of bad. And sometimes we can forget that, man, God is really good. But even in spite of all of the frustrating things and the evil things that are out there in the world, if we slow down a little bit, we can see God's goodness. You can see God's goodness around you. There's huge examples like the time that I was able to to go and with Molly and Becca, who was uh, probably about one years old at the time. We go to the Grand Canyon. You walk up, and all of a sudden, the earth opens up, and it's awe-inspiring. 
And you just look out and you say, wow, God is good. You know, we can see it in the way that people interact with other people. I see it in the way sometimes that our daughters love each other. I can see God's goodness in that. I can see God's goodness in the way that people will rally together to help others, whether it's victims of a horrible shooting where evil is so evident, or whether it's going out and helping those who are victimized by tornadoes or hurricanes, earthquakes. There is evidence of God's goodness out there. I encourage you to start thinking about God as the God who is good. That's where your relationship needs to start with Him. It doesn't need to start at the place where you're terrified that God is going to reward you when you do something good and punish you whenever you do something bad. That is not the basis for a healthy relationship. The basis for a healthy relationship with God starts with the fact that God is good. Spend some time this week. Maybe write down some of the places that you see God's goodness. Thank you for joining us. Remember, each and every day, that God is good. Have a great week. We'll talk to you next week.